Oh, and good news, Tanner. I figured out the problem with my microphone. It was just oh? that my input volume was apparently set to very low in audacity. <laughs> okay. So it's good. Yeah, everyone Everyone has their own unique microphone weirdness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Me, I'm the kind of person who I move myself all back and forth flailing about as I record. <laughs> which I'm sure is hell on Lena or whoever ends up editing this episode. Yeah. Um, and then Lindsay still uses a Walmart gamer microphone. So on the upside, <laughs> she can flail as much as she wants and it stays the same distance away from her mouth. But on the downside, some st- <laughs> it is not a good quality microphone. Oh, Lindsay. And me and Lindsay have the same problem. Sometimes our laughing is just a loud exhalation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also cannot sit still normally, so I have to like try and move my yeah. microphone with me slightly. <laughs> I need to get one of those like jazz mics so I can hold it in front of me. <laughs> so I'll bring someone back to my place. Like, ooh, are you a crooner? Like, no, I'm a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm a I'm a wiggly podcaster. That's why I need this microphone. <laughs> Are you No, I'm a podcaster. Oh, but before I forget, I have I have a I have a fun short story to tell the two of you before we do this glee podcast. Okay. Yay. Um so my work mandates that we have to do diversity training every year, and this year it included a training session on microaggressions and how to handle them and address them in the workplace. And something that I almost said out loud in my place of work was, I don't need training on microaggressions. I have a Glee podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh, I, al- I almost said it out loud. I did not say it out loud. <laughs> oh. Also because I try to keep the fact that I do podcasts a secret from everyone at my workplace a, so that I won't get volunteered into doing the company podcast, oh, and Lordy. B, so they won't ask me to do anything else. <laughs> oh, God, I wish that were me, because I mentioned offhand that, like, podcasting was one of my hobbies, and mm-hmm. it's it's very much the same as, like, when you mention, oh, I'm working on a book, <laughs> which I've also done to my coworkers, so yeah. they're all of them, every day, it's like, oh, Tanner, how's your book coming? How's your podcast coming? Yeah. <laughs> it's constantly... Like, yeah, it's still, the the Mm -hmm. podcast, they still happen. The book, it still doesn't happen because I'm too busy podcasting. Yeah. 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 I I try not to tell anybody. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we riff this show, Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out why we love this show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening, you're listening to Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Hello and welcome to Loser Like Me, a podcast where we watch every episode of Glee and then we talk about every episode of Glee. And sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad. And sometimes they're the sixth episode of the second season. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Introduce yourself, Tanner. Hi, I'm Tanner and I'm a baleen whale. (laughs) Hi, I'm Christina and I've never been kissed. Fact. Sad fact. Fact. (laughs) (laughs) And you made it. Hmm? Who else introduced the guest today? 
I don't know, person who sighed in the introduction who's not either one of us, please would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, I'm Sean, and uh, I picked this, I wanted to be on this episode for one reason, and then I watched it, and I remembered what was in the rest of the episode. <laughs> That's I'm, glee for you. Yeah, I'm sorry, Sean. <laughs> it's, it, you know, you know, it happens. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, it sure is an episode of Glee where one of the weirdest parts of the episode makes you sit back and go, oh, season four makes sense now. Not having seen season four, I don't know what you're referring to, Tanner. Oh, you'll know. Oh, you'll know in two years. Two years of change. Ah, okay. Uh, before, before we delve into that curse of knowledge. So, Sean, yeah. tell us. What is your history with Glee, both the show and the extracurricular, if any? Well, um, the extracurricular, I did, I did chorus all throughout high school. They didn't call it Glee or anything, but I, Solidarity. that was pretty much, that was pretty much my extent of, of singing in, in school. But, uh, the show, the show, I, I didn't, I only watched like close to the end live and I don't know why I did that. But um, I, <laughs> I, I remember the reason I started watching the show is I, uh, my mom was watching it or something and I came in and I was like, what is this? And then I saw, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to make very apparent why I wanted to do this episode now. I saw, mm-hmm. I saw Blaine and I was like, oh wait, I might want to watch this show. And <laughs> then for some reason I watched six seasons of this show for like two characters <laughs> And I liked other characters, but like mainly for two characters. And even when those characters stopped being good, I still watched it. And I, and then I, I didn't watch it for a long time. And I just watched this episode last night at like one in the morning. And I was like, man, this is a show that I watched. <laughs> yeah. Yup. Yup. But you kind of got to like, I don't know. I, I do a Power Rangers podcast. So I'm very much a like, hey, it's good for what it is kind of person. Um, and that's uh, something I try to take into everything that I watch. And there were parts of this episode where I was like, hey, this is good for what it is. Yeah. An admirable tack to take, Sean. (laughs) I I think this episode, and especially this season, is very much fair for its day. And, like, Mm -hmm. I need to try and rein in my snark because it's colored by later seasons. Like, no, they're right now they're fine. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Don't think about how it all gets derailed later. <sighs> we need to think about how all the little high school gays just lost their shit on Tumblr. <laughs> yes. Honestly, like, it, it, during the parts of, ep- of episodes of Glee where it's not great, I'm just going to think back to season two, episode four of Duets, which was good. <laughs> the, the only episode without sin. I, I listened to that episode of the podcast. Yeah. And I was so jealous. <laughs> I was like, man, it sounds like they really liked this episode. <laughs> Sean, it was a miracle. We had a, we had a decent episode in Grilled Cheeses, and we had a phenomenal episode in Duets, and then we had Rocky Horror Glee Show, <laughs> and now we're here. Now we're here. Okay, so we should talk about the episode. <laughs> yes, we're here. Episode six, season two. It was called Never Been Kissed. It mm-hmm. was directed by Brad Buker. Brad Brad Buick, Bra- Bradley and, Buecher, probably, and written by Brad Falchuk. Mm-hmm. Came out on November 9th, twenty ten, five days after my birthday. Happy birthday to me! 
here is a homosexual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so it starts off. It starts off on a previously on that just says, hey, everybody's lonely as shit. And also, uh, Sam Quinn and Chang Squared are a thing. Yes, not not together. <laughs> yes. I'd forgotten what the recap man sounded like. Mm-hmm. And so watching this episode, I started it and I was like, man, this is aggressively starting. Like it, it punches you in the face. Like, like, I hope you're ready because boom, here it is. There is no warm up. Just, just bang. Yep. <laughs> and speaking of bang. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, we, we start the episode with Sam getting in one of those like ice tubs after presumably like a hard football workout or whatever. And we get the kind of the kind of the main plot of the episode starting off even in the first scene where Finn and Sam have discussion about what they do when whoops, we've got boners. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, they commiserate with like, oh, yeah, what do you do when when you become aroused and your uh, partner is not interested in having sex? And we get a we get a callback to season one, episode two with the mailman. <laughs> Honestly, can I just say, when I was eighteen years old, during this tub scene, I was delighted, and ten <laughs> years later, I am still delighted. <laughs> I'm glad you were happy, Tanner. <laughs> <laughs> I take what I can get, and sometimes what I get is the fan service bath. <laughs> the tub scene started, and I that's when I remembered what the episode was about. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah but the mailman thing caught me off guard and that actually i don't it just it, it just happens real quick and i mm-hmm. it got it it made me laugh yeah <laughs> you know what caught me off guard was the fact that when sam is talking about his experiences with dating quinn their appointed makeout set for this episode is some kind of a chaise <laughs> in front of a gilded fireplace with and it's decorated with statues of the Virgin Mary. <laughs> and I'm over here, I'm like, okay, does this mean that Quinn is Catholic? Or does it mean that the set designers don't know that the Virgin Mary is only really venerated in Catholicism and so other Christians probably wouldn't have statues of her, but they were like Hey, here's something religious in the in the department of like all the props. Let's just throw them in there. Yeah, I, I would bet it was the second one. <laughs> Probably yes. I mean, I think it's pretty believable that Quinn is Catholic, um, not just because of the guilt. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually no, but mostly because of the guilt. Although I would also Cheers, wouldn't I'll put it past that. her to just. Quinn specifically getting some images of the Virgin Mary, and she's like, "You know what, homegirl? I need, I need you." <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, Virgin Mary, we're really in for it now. <laughs> so the actual premise of the episode is that um, after Sam bemoans the fact that he's never almost killed a civil servant, so that can't use that to stop himself from coming. He spots uh, Coach Beast, who BT does, we are using after some getting some advice. We're using mm-hmm. he, him pronouns for Beast even before he transitions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Sam is saying, have you, uh, have you ever noticed how uh, Coach Beast Thunderbird rides up when he gets really angry? And then he's like, aha, I found my mailman. The next scene is non-existent. It's basically Karofsky shoves Kurt into a locker and Tina is there and is sad with Kurt in solidarity. 
And then they, they walk into Glee and, hey, guess who's back? It's Puck and the Puckhawk. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Can I, I, I just, I, I wrote this down because I, I don't know. I noticed it. Kurt's bow tie, does it have like a clock on it? It was like, it looked like it was like a plastic bow tie brooch. I loved it. I don't know. I didn't. <laughs> I really like bow ties, and I was like, "Oh, what is that?" And that's that's what I wrote down. <laughs> Kurt also likes bow ties. Bow ties are cool. Bow ties are cool. <laughs> Hashtag fuck the tie. That'll make sense in four seasons. <laughs> oh, okay, oh, then. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Fuck the tie. Okay. So yeah, Puck's back from juvie, and he's like, "Now I'm even more badass because I was in juvie, and I was the coolest person there." I was the coolest 26-year-old, 15-year-old. No, wait. He's junior year. He's, he's 16 or 17 years old. Mm-hmm. I just got back from my Christian rock tour. And boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> and I got my ears pierced. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 there's a fun little zinger when, when Puck is like, I came back and I proved my masculinity to everyone at Juvie. And Quinn is like, wow, what a catch. Can't believe I ever <laughs> let you go. And I'm like, we stand character development. I forgot how, how, how funny she can be. When they let her be. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, Will would like to announce the two clubs that they're going against for sectionals. So... <laughs> It's the hipsters, which are composed of uh, the elderly people getting their GEDs, and the warblers who come from Dalton Academy for twinks. Uh, <laughs> it's yes. there's a there's a fun little moment here where Will is like, "Oh, Finn, drum roll, please!" And in a very authentic high schooler moment, Finn does a. <laughs> that's my that's my legs, but it's a he he's like he does a drum roll on a textbook, uh-huh. and I'm like, it's good. I'm going to take what I can get. <laughs> Mercedes is concerned that they'll never be able to compete with a bunch of adorable old people. And Puck suggests that you give them a good luck pat and it'll shatter their pelvis. Mm-hmm. And Will is like, we're going to get into the competition spirit by doing mashups. It was so great last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember last year's mashups? You know, with the drugs? <laughs> Remember last year's mashup where my ex-wife gave everyone Sudafed? And got them all uh, super energetic and excited, and uh, it definitely wasn't a plot to try and get closer to the person who was carrying the baby that she was going to adopt because of a fake baby plot. <laughs> this, this, they made, they made this show. They made it. <laughs> they made it. I, 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 <laughs> they made this show. Yeah. <laughs> um... And so, yeah, he's like, let's do boys versus girls again. And Rachel pulls out her emergency mashup binder. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Kurt tries to go with the girls. And Will's like, Kurt, go with the boys. Gender essentialism. I'm an ally. I, I hate Will Schuster. Somebody. Welcome to Lose yeah. Like Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a safe space, Sean. I, I just... This is a safe space to disrespect Will Schuster. It, the, the only thing I love more than dragging our unknowing friends onto the show and inflictingly upon them <laughs> is bring on people who know the show and we all just kind of groan in synchronicity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, what is it? Who? Why? Why? Why force him to sing with the guys? Like, who? what is it going to do? I... 
I have an idea on that that might actually make sense, except it immediately stops making sense, but I'm going to save that for like a few scenes from now. Okay. 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 So the next scene is Artie going down the hall and he immediately gets kidnapped by Puck and Artie's like, uh, please toss me down the back stairs because my shame will be diminished because there's us people there. And Puck's like, nah, I got out of juvie early because I said I do community service. And then Puck drops a whole, he drops the, he drops the C word. The, mm-hmm. oh, and yes. I don't know why I'm surprised that this happened again, but I was surprised. And then I was disappointed that I was surprised. Glee, Glee thought they had permission. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, P- Puck is befriending Artie because he's like, hey, if I can help up my friend uh, who, if I can help up my friend who is in a wheelchair, then that will count as community service. <laughs> Which is a very 16 or 17 year old thing to think. Yeah. But it's bad. Yeah. 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 And then we pan over to Kurt, who gets shoved into the locker by Karofsky. Again. And he decides it's time to call him out. And then Karofsky's like, if you talk back to me again, you're going to meet the Fury, which is what he named his fist. (laughs) God. And Kurt says that with that level of creativity, you could easily become assistant manager at a rendering plant. To which Karofsky replies, I don't know what that is, but if I find out it's bad, the Fury's gonna find you. (sighs) (laughs) Just the size. Just every, yeah, yeah. (laughs) The, the, The scene that follows this, though... I mm-hmm. I was I was That's so happy. I, well, I was anyway. Here, why don't you why don't you go and then I'll I'll say no. You, you I you want know, you to roll with it. it you have emotions okay, about it. Okay. Okay. I I think I, if I remember correctly, because again I watched this at one o'clock in the morning. Schuster comes <laughs> over and is like, "I'm I'm good at talking to people, I guess," and pulls Kurt into a room and they have a conversation mm-hmm. where Schuster's pretty much like, "Hey." uh you're you're not doing great and i can see it and then kurt like schuster says a bunch of stuff and then it just goes on kurt's face and he, you could just see hatred in his eyes for will schuster yep. like <laughs> like i and i i first of all amazing yes correct kurt go off and then he just goes off and he just he puts <laughs> schuster in his place and i love it it's so good he he literally says you, like everyone else at this school, are too quick to let homophobia slide, and your lesson plans are boring and repetitive. <laughs> yeah, I love that he throws that on at the end. I love I love that because you know to Will Schuster, that's the personal part. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. he'll let the first comment slide off his back because he's a bad person. But that second, that second one, that's going to stick with him. Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah. Oh. Of course he's going to let the first one slide because he brings Kurt into his office and basically boils down to, dang, Kurt, it looks like the homophobia is making you sad. Yeah. Have you ever tried not being sad? Yeah. I, uh, man. God. God. Teacher of the year, everybody. Man, what a, uh, what an inspiration to the youth. <sighs> you could say, because so Kurt, he says the lessons plan suck and that Kurt doesn't feel challenged. And now there's an argument. There's just a small argument in here. Where you could say that Will making Kurt go with the guys is challenging him because we all know that Kurt's like wheelhouse is feminine songs mm-hmm. and like songs with high vocal ranges and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. so like putting him in a situation where he has to sing classic rock and a more masculine number that would help him break out of his comfort zone potentially. Mm-hmm. But yeah, <laughs> but also 
Also. Also, also, it's Will. Yeah, yeah, yes. no. And he definitely did not put that much thought into it. <laughs> no. No, absolutely no. not. <laughs> but Will Will does decide, you know what? It's time for me to be <laughs> and, uh, Lost Jiminy's ally. <sighs> and so what's his brilliant plan, Tanner? So, so first he declares that he's not throwing the baby out with the bathwater here. Um, and then <laughs> Brittany mentions that she's totally done that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> So the guys are going to sing girly songs and the girls are going to sing guy songs. Mm-hmm. I've listed I've listed two problems here. Yeah. Yes. First off, actually there's three problems because so first off, this still continues to not challenge Kurt. It's challenging the other guys to be more like Kurt, which is something I can get behind. Mhm. Mhm. <laughs> uh actually yeah, that's that's pointed out by Artie. That Artie points out Kurt already sings early songs was just the guys having to be like him which i can get behind but again this is not will's motivation the other problem is that there's already so many girls in classic rock that Mm -hmm. this doesn't really challenge them no because them singing guy classic rock songs has the same energy as them just saying like the runaways or the bangles yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. this then leads into a scene where like it's the guys in their breakaway session or whatever and they're talking about like song choices and kurt's like and here is my here is my vision board of costume options and i think we should be wearing feather boas and then puck is like that's gay if you want to be gay you should just go spy on dalton because they're our competition and kurt's like you know what fine and leaves and just like stalks out and everyone's like what the fuck just happened which is, what did they fuck, what did I hate teenage boys. What did you think was going to happen? What did you, I, like, <laughs> it's such a, like, they, they take for advantage, like, getting able to make fun of Kurt and ha- not mm-hmm. have him respond. And when they do the, what, what are you, but, what, I, uh, yeah. Yeah. Why is the homophobia making you sad? Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. It has it has the energy of like, but we're your friends, so you know. Like I yeah. yeah. It shouldn't. It's not like when Karofsky does it is what it has the energy of. And it's like, no, it's it's all the same. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if anything, it's it it might be a little bit worse. Oh yeah. It's oh yeah. People that you actually like respect yeah. and care about yeah. even a little bit. And, like, Finn is there, who, who's supposed to be like, oh, I learned, and I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be better for Kurt. Mm-hmm. And Finn doesn't do shit. He just sits there. And it's like, come on, Finn, please. Yeah. I'm begging you. Character development. Have it. I can't wait for the entire episode dedicated to Finn trying to figure out if he should do character development. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I wonder if part of the whole, like, unstable character development is that we have categorically three different writers writing the episodes and for each of them the characters are at different places in their character development like it's maybe it's not the same but it's a similar kind of thing that i feel like happened with the most recent set of star wars movies like Mm -hmm. yes because the creative team was different they they all had different ideas of what to do with the characters yeah but because they weren't required to make a cohesive narrative they did wildly different things and didn't check what the other people did when they were creating those characters developments and plot lines it that sounds like probably what happened here (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
So basically, also now I want to see now I want to see Ryan Murphy's Star Wars film, if only for absolutely not. Tanner. Yeah, yeah. As a Star Wars fan, uh, which uh, man, I hate saying those words, but I am. I really, <laughs> please, please no, <laughs> please don't put that curse Ryan, on me. <laughs> Ryan Ryan Murphy's Star Wars would be would be a Jedi in body glitter and only wearing the tabard part of the Jedi robes and they'd they'd turn around and wield a lightsaber look at the camera and be like I'm gay and then get shot by a stormtrooper or something no Ryan Murphy's Star Wars movie is the band from Jabba's palace but Lady Gaga is playing uh, Sice Noodles or whatever her name is (laughs) oh god (laughs) so anyways (laughs) now we cut to the 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 makeout chaise <laughs> in front of the was there a roaring fire I feel like there, there, was, there a was a fire yes uh, Sam's nuts roasting on open fire <laughs> <laughs> and he's trying to picture Beast in lingerie and in a Cheerios uniform and then Quinn's like say my name and Sam's like Beast and Quinn's like uh oh. <laughs> Yeah. And then she does the absolute worst thing possible. I mean, in universe, I don't think it's the worst thing. No, the the worst thing possible would have been going to um her ultra conservative Rush Limbaugh father, who we don't well, talk about Well, he's out of anymore. her life now. Good. I think the worst thing would have been going to Will Schuster. Oof. Yeah. yeah. I, th- this whole idea, I just, man... Man, this episode is really messed up. Yep. Yeah, that's that's all I can say. Man, this episode's really messed up when it comes to like that 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 plot line, which is the main plot line. Yeah. 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 So so Quinn goes to Sue and she's yeah. like, Sam said Beast's name while we were making out, and I'm concerned he's attracted to him. And uh be uh who? Sue. Sue is like, aha, now I have a scheme. I will make it sound like Beast is a predator. Uh, and she does cite Mary Kay Letourneau, who is an actual convicted child predator, and that's a big yikes. Yikes. I did not know that citation, but that's not great. I, I googled it because I, I googled it because I was like, oh no, you didn't. Yeah, you did. Oh god. I, I also uh, did not know that, but I kind of... I assumed it was something probably pretty bad from the context, but now I'm I'm even more upset. Yeah. Yeah. On the flip side though, the mood whiplash is that she also refers to Sam as Macaulay Culkin's stunt double. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that that's down funny. too. Yeah, that one <laughs> That was fun. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to think if I have any way to express that the feelings during that scene. And I think it's that Sometimes I like Sue, and then immediately she'll go and do something like this. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm like, oh, right, you're kind of terrible. Yes. Yes, she is. Yeah. So. <laughs> so we we get to leave that scene behind, and then we join Artie and Puck uh, at the outside cafeteria stairs where Puck decides that he's going to try to busk 
in the middle of lunch and he like sets up a guitar case and everything and Artie is like I don't think we're allowed to bus <laughs> during school hours but also they make Artie say like oh I didn't think we could earn money by singing I... on a show about singing yeah Puck says watch and learn young Jedi in a wheelchair and he starts to play One Love by Bob Marley and it's fine yeah it, it, it sure is a scene Apparently this is badass. Um, I guess. I can never follow when people are supposed to like the Glee Club and when they don't. Because, like, normally if this were to happen... Or I guess not normally. What we see in these scenes when people are singing and stuff, we see the students getting into it. But what we're told narratively is that people hate them. And that, like, they're not cool and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's always a little... Like, I I really like the the song. Uh, this This, I think... Um, I uh, is Kevin McHale? Does he play Artie? Yeah, yeah he's got Kevin a McHale, yeah. yeah. He's got a great voice, and every time mm-hmm. he sings, I'm like, man, they should have had him sing more. This thing wasn't Rachel Berry. <laughs> yeah, oh man, <laughs> Rachel wasn't singing. Great. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, so at the like seeing everybody in the background getting into it and like giving them like i think already says they got like almost 300 bucks or something it's not a huge deal but i did write down i was like don't they like make fun of them for doing this exact thing and now they're giving them money i will say that puck is seen intimidating at the very least jacob ben israel and crew oh yeah yeah. that's that's true i try to blank out jacob ben israel in every (laughs) in every corner of my mind There, there is a fun moment because, like, the one person who they didn't have to intimidate into giving them money is Lauren Zeises. Yes. <laughs> who, who appears in the background and makes, like, cat claws and puck. <laughs> <laughs> she just delights me. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. And you, you know who shows, else shows up in the background is just a random second guitar guy and also timpani players. Yeah, the Steel Drum Club comes <laughs> to join them. <laughs> I do. I like those are the kinds of things about Glee that I find weirdly charming is just the mm-hmm. no basis in reality of like, yeah, there's a whole band just hanging around that want to jam. Yeah, it's like it's silly, but it's it's fun. And at the end of the scene, like when they get done singing, Puck says, you can't really put a dollar amount on talent plus fear. And Artie says, well, I can. And it's about three hundred dollars. and then they see Brittany and Santana hanging out on the stairs and Puck is like hey here's another community service I'm Mm. gonna get you a double date with Brittany and Santana and I so that Artie can date Brittany and I can date Santana and they can get back together okay sure yeah yeah sure this will end up this will be great this will be super fine and chill (sighs) but you know it's not super chill (laughs) Is me in the next scene. <laughs> Kurt at Dalton. What will he gay? <laughs> <laughs> the next scene is Kurt uh, kind of coming down the stairs in Dalton. And he uh, he looks around and he's very confused because everyone's like, oh, running around. There's a hubbub. Something <laughs> exciting is going on. And he taps someone in front of him on the shoulder like, hey, what's going on? And I'm turning my camera on for the bit. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> it's Darren Chris. It, and nice I have my shit. pink sunglasses on, listeners. Hey, let's go. 
And I did, in fact, while I was watching the episode, uh, and I have had these sunglasses on the whole time, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) When I was watching this episode, I did, in fact, have to get on Snapchat and just sit there and yell, (laughs) The boy! The boy! (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm a Daring Chris fan. I, I am, too. I... Yeah, he's, he's Sean. Pretty... High five me through the internet. Boom! High five through the internet. Uh, like I said, I the scene that got me into Glee was from a couple episodes from now. I think it's the Christmas mm-hmm. episode. So you probably, I don't know if you know the scene I'm talking about, but that was the scene mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I saw mm-hmm. Darren Christen and I. I both I had two moments. One was I should watch the show, and the second one was maybe I'm not as straight as I think I am. <laughs> Valid goals. <laughs> He is a very. I also guy. like Darren Chris. I like Darren Chris in spite of the fact that he, in spite of the fact that he plays Blaine. <laughs> yeah. Valid. Valid. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to be a Blaine disrespecter on Maine. Well, I, I mean, we'll we'll talk about it later. But I I went into yeah. this like, man, really excited to see Blaine, and immediately already in this episode, Blaine is doing stuff that now being a smarter person than I was when I watched the show originally, mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh, Blaine, uh, why? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um that being said, my notes mm-hmm. for this are in all caps. Stairwell! Baleen! Slow-mo gay running! <laughs> Don't forget your jacket, new kid, you'll fit right in. <laughs> Teenage Dream! <laughs> Featuring Antonio from Panda Ranger Samurai. Yeah. Holy so Oh shit! For- <laughs> oh my god, my mind was just blown. <laughs> So, so for for a little bit more explanation than what Tanner just gave, um, <laughs> as Kurt is like, "Oh, what's going on?" Blaine is like, "Oh, it's the Warblers. They're super cool here, and they're putting on an impromptu concert in the Senior Commons." And Kurt's like, "Oh, well, that sounds interesting." And Blaine is like, "I can lead you there. I know a shortcut." And then we get the aforementioned slow mo romance run through a hallway, which is really awkward because. Blaine is holding Kurt's right hand with his right hand, which means that they're having to run with, like, Chris Colfer's arm, like, awkwardly crossed in front of him <laughs> the whole time. Yeah, because the, if they joined right hand with left hand, then it would have just been way too obvious. <laughs> yeah. And as it is, Kurt's already like, oh my god, a boy is holding my hand! <laughs> <laughs> Kurt's faces during this entire scene are... Um... They are, they're, they're, Chris Golf is acting. Uh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They, they get to like the senior corridor or whatever. And uh, Blaine points out like, oh, hey, like just wear, wear the, you're wearing the wrong jacket, new kid. Wear the right jacket next time. Then he like steps out in front as like the Warblers are like, and he like steps into the center of them as they're forming. And my note here is, oh no, Kurt is a goner. a gay boy and he can sing oh no (laughs) and they and the the camera keeps cutting back to kurt just so you know just just Mm -hmm. make sure everybody watching realizes this is gonna happen (laughs) yeah so it's teenage dream that's a musical number it's very good yes also it should be noted the warblers are they're all acapella Yes. And the acapella vocals are done by an existing acapella group called mm-hmm. the Beelzebubs. 
Yeah. Yes, from Tufts University, who I think may also have gotten featured in Pitch Perfect as like a cameo. I I'm feel pretty like. sure, yeah. Oh. But yeah, um, let's talk about the warblers who are not Blaine. Um, <laughs> namely, the person who is only referred to in the credits as Warbler Number Two, who is Stephen Schuyler, who is Antonio Garcia on Power Rangers Samurai, which came out after Glee. Yes, I I do always have to. Whenever it is mentioned in like press releases that Schuyler was joining the cast of Power Rangers Samurai, it was like Schuyler. Pre- previously starring on Glee. It's like, no, he wasn't starring. He was a background actor. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other warblers, at least the main ones uh, who got speaking lines in this episode, um, there is Wes, who is played by uh, Telly Leung, whose uh, other main roles have been playing Angel in Rent at the Hollywood Bowl, uh, and also playing uh, Sammy Kimura on in uh, George Takei's Allegiance. I didn't say nice. that in any kind of way that made sense. George <laughs> Takei's Allegiance. There we go. Um, there we which go. is a stage musical that I think had a Los Angeles run on a Broadway one a couple of years back. Um, and also uh, Titus Mackin Jr., who plays David, uh, who's been in Pretty Little Liars, The Rookie, and uh, Wayward Guide to the Untrained Eye, which is a Tin Can Brothers production that's about parrot like supernatural stuff and werewolves nice yeah and also darren chris <laughs> and also it's darren chris um i have some fun trivia facts about darren chris's career would you would you two like to hear them i suspect sure. sean might know some of them already <laughs> go for it okay so Darren's other roles uh he was in girl most likely which is a film that uh was starring oh god i'm forgetting her name he gets to make out with kristen wig yes kristen wig uh yeah he was in a kristen wig vehicle called girl most likely and also in uh the assassination of gianni versace american crime story which i think he won an emmy for yeah yes or a golden globe Hmm? one of the two yeah and uh he's also done uh theater stuff like being in uh, how to succeed in business without really trying, which was fun because he he who played Harry Potter got to follow Dar- uh, <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe, who also played Harry Potter and also was the lead in How to Succeed in Business without really trying. <laughs> um, and also got to be Hedwig and Hedwig, and also got to be uh, Eric in the concert of Little Mermaid. I think it was at the Hollywood Bowl. Um, but also he's done voice work. He's done a lot of voice work. Yeah, uh, he was on Archer. Oh, oh my gosh! Um, Didn't know that he's, one. He's been he's been Sideswipe in Transformers animated stuff, and he's yeah. been Raphael the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Yeah, and his <laughs> and his as most Superman. Recent... Yeah, that's crazy. oh yeah, the Superman's too. And his most recent role, um, which is fun because a lot of people forget that Darren Chris is uh, part Filipino. He's doing voices on Treze, the new. Filipino animated or the new that the new Filipino anime on Netflix. Oh, nice! Yeah, and also obviously Team Starkid. Yes, we will talk more about Team Starkid, listeners. I have plans. <laughs> we'll get there when we get there. <laughs> We're setting, putting, doing so much foreshadowing in this episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, another fun fact about Teenage Dream: 
It is the most successful released song from the entirety of Glee's catalog. Oh, yeah. That, We're not shocked. That <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very, it's a very it. good performance. It's a good performance, and it's fun, and Kurt's just looking around like, oh my gosh, people are actively enjoying music at this school when people are performing Glee Club stuff. What is this? Kurt's like, I could be happy here? What? (laughs) (laughs) So, so let's leave that now. Yes. We have to go back to suffer at McKinley. (laughs) So, so this scene's just fucking weird. Yup. So Mike is telling Tina, hey, fun fact, (laughs) sometimes I get close to an orgasm when we make out. So Sam told me this fun life hack where I think of (sighs) Coach Beast in horny situations and that I won't be distracted by your feminine wiles. (laughs) And this is, this isn't like word for word what he says, but this is what he must have told Tina for her to go, oh, that's such a neat life hack. I'm going to use this too. <sighs> and then of course Tina's like let's immediately test this out and they go to make out in the science classroom and then Tina yeah. is the one who has to picture Coach Beast doing doing silly funny haha unhorny unsexy things and then she says his name <laughs> and then flees immediately and for some reason despite Mike having just explained all of this he he doesn't pick up on on why <sighs> Tina said Beast's name? Like, like, wouldn't you put you know, two and two point, together? Sean. Wouldn't you be like, yeah, because later Mike does some weird shit in the hallway. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's the like, next scene. It's, yeah, is it the next scene? Okay, in the next scene, Mike does some weird shit in the hallway. And it's like, why? Please, you're so smart. Put it together. It's the only thing I can think of is that Mike never considered that Tina or any girl would need this. I guess, yeah. Yeah. So basically, uh, I'm now going to cancel Mike Chang Jr. for not believing in the female orgasm. Yeah. (laughs) Aw, I'm sorry, Mike. Man, rip Mike. You had a good, you had a good run, bud. Uh, Yeah, because the next scene. Quinn and Sam are in the hallway, and Quinn is accusing Sam of having an affair with Beast. And Sam's like, I literally have no idea how this could have happened. And again, it's like, you have no idea. You have no idea? Yeah. And then Beast shows up, and Quinn is like, I'll let you two lovers handle this. And Beast is like, I genuinely have no idea. Yeah. And then Mike walks up. Yep. (laughs) Stay away from my... What Does he say stay away from my woman? Yup. Yup. And he does the I'm watching you gesture. (laughs) Yeah. Mike. like, that's a funny little moment. But it's like, come on, Mike. (laughs) Like, I I, I get... Because Sam... Sam Sam has played to maybe not be the brightest fish in the barrel. Right? He's a himbo. Yeah, exactly. So I can understand kind of... Why Sam would be confused by what's happening. I just, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if they have done it yet, but they, they, they they established at some point that Mike is pretty smart. So like, uh, I don't know. I, I expect, I expect that, that I I have too much hope in Mike Chang, I guess. (laughs) 
I think it's okay to have faith in Mike Chang, but a lack of hope and faith and just skepticism in the writer. Yes, yes, that's that's true. It's not it's not poor Mike's fault. It's the writer's. <laughs> anyway, Will Will walks up and sees this happening, and then he pulls Sam and Mike into the glee room and interrogates them, like, "What have you been doing? What have, what have you morons been up to?" <laughs> yeah, and they, they explain it to Will. And then Will is like, well, I need you to tell everyone in the Glee Club that this has to stop now. And it's like, oh, Will, the damage has already been done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that might be the most authentic teacher thing that Will has ever done, is having to sit two teenage boys down and go, what are you morons doing? <laughs> <laughs> and it's also like the one time he thinks something through. Yeah. Or maybe not even thinks it through. But he's he's thinking. In this one moment, he is thinking. <laughs> Will Schuster's brain is working, kind of. Of course he's going to take a personal. He's an outsider. No one appreciates him or his talent because they've decided he's too different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Sam's like, it's okay, because I'm not making fun of Beast to his face. Sorry. <sighs> Anyways, back to gay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> back to the gays. Back to what I'm going to quote here from uh, writer Emily Vanderwerf, uh, who did a write-up of Never Been Kissed for, I think it was the AV Club back when it was like first airing. Okay. Um, back to Tolerance Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> so, so is the implication of this scene that time has passed? Because Kurt definitely changed, right? Or did he just change? I, I think Kurt, it might he be has the a next... secondary outfit. He just has a secondary. He's yeah. like he's like now that I'm not trying to spy anymore, I can get out of this clothing and put on something more me. Yeah, because something we didn't talk about was that Kurt was trying to dress like a Dalton student mm-hmm. in the last scene that he was in. Yeah, because he was trying to be incognito and spying, and they and he gets he gets invited to coffee with Blaine and then Wes and David, uh, who are the two. Uh, Warbler members with speaking roles in this episode. <laughs> yeah, they're like, "Look, Kurt, you're not a very good spy." And he's like, "Well, I'm sorry. I got enti- I got too enticed by the concept of acceptance of both performing arts and people being gay." Speaking of which, are any of you guys gay? <laughs> and it turns out that yes, Blaine is gay. Whoa, really, man? Really crazy. You mean, wait, wait, so the one that they did a whole slow-mo holding hands running down a hallway sequence, and as he was singing, they kept cutting to Kurt with love, lovey-dovey eyes? That one's gay? Yeah. Whoa. I know, right? What a surprise. <laughs> Whoa. Rumor come out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they... It, after Kurt asks this question, uh, Wes and David do mention that Dalton has a zero tolerance harassment policy, which makes Kurt start to tear up because, like, the pe- the, the 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 administration being being anti bullying, what a concept! Chris Colfer does do a very very good job, I think, in this scene, though. I think he. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yes. When he starts to break down a little bit, I was like, oh my gosh, this is it's yeah. very good performance. Yeah. And then we get Blaine's backstory. Baleen. Baleen? So, so, I was typing this so fast, so many times it just says Baleen. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. The spelling error. Okay. 
So Kurt says how it's been wearing on him, especially because he's basically been singularly targeted by Karofsky, like especially even more than all the other jocks. Mm -hmm. And Blaine is like, yeah, I went through basically the same thing until I was able to transfer. And but my family can afford to transfer me here. So I guess the only thing you can do now is confront the bully and not be the victim. Yeah, let's talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. Here's here's the thing, is that mm -hmm. there really isn't one singular solution for bullies. No. Mm -hmm. Some of them will back down if you call them out because it's a power play. Some of mm -hmm. them will back down if you ignore them because it's not as fun. Because it's an attention thing. Yeah, some of them will only back down if you push them down the stairs. <laughs> yes. And I just... As someone whose workplace literally had everyone do training on harassment this past like this past week, um, confrontation of a bully or a harasser, like in general, like the 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 rule of thumb is usually like you are allowed to not directly confront the harasser or the bully if you if it would be at risk to physical harm to either yourself or the person who is being harassed it like if if it's a case where you could risk say being pushed down the stairs then you are allowed to just kind of try and keep the person being harassed safe and then try to pursue other options of consequences after the fact yeah but you don't have to stand there and testify to the to the harasser about why they are incorrect yeah. yeah, and so Kurt confronts Karofsky later in the episode, and he does it alone, and he definitely shouldn't have done it alone if he wanted to do it. The mm -hmm. the ideal, the only ideal situation I can think of him, though, because clearly he's become so jaded he doesn't think the teachers are going to help him, but I, I do think the best solution for this would have been if he just kept on pestering Will and drilling it mm -hmm. into his head that it's a bad situation, because Will at least is open to the concept that homophobia bad. yeah. Mind you, if, we, if we've learned one thing over the season is that uh, no one seems to realize that homophobia real. I, apparently. Karofsky yeah. has proven multiple times that that he is not against physical violence. Uh, mm -hmm. So Blaine's advice in this scene is uh, maybe well-meaning, but it's not good. It's very much so the kind of thing that, again, like, putting in context here, it's very much so the kind of thing that a 16 or 17-year-old would suggest mm -hmm. doing as someone who is still a minor and whose brain has not fully developed. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not a self-drag. None of our brains were fully developed in high school. Mm -hmm. And also as someone who has never been specifically trained in conflict management and negotiation and also someone who because the advice comes right on the heels of blaine saying dalton's tuition is too high for everybody so it's right on the heels of him saying that i was able to buy myself away from my bully yeah oh god yeah yeah so all it comes down to is blaine going why don't the poor gays just buy allies <laughs> oh no <laughs> and hey we tried it didn't work <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I I just had a thought, which is, like, since Will Schuster has, so far, not demonstrated the willingness to physically intervene in situations of homophobic bullying, I can think of two people at William McKinley High School who could specifically help with that. Emma and Beast. 
Yeah, actually, the people I was thinking of was either Emma or Sue, simply because Kurt has been a Cheerio, and Sue might be like, no, you can't do this to people who were Cheerios. But yeah, Emma and Beast, because Beast is a very physically buff person, and also Karofsky's coach on the football team who could give him consequences. Yeah. And also because if Karofsky shoved Emma, then then he would have actual serious consequences for assaulting a teacher. Yeah, and Beast would- Definitely not ignore this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then my thinking, and this is an ideal solution, but also Kurt could have gone to Sue thinking Sue can use this as a way to get back at Beast by targeting one of the major football players. Oh, yeah. It's a little underhanded, but this yeah. is me. <laughs> Everything is underhanded. Look, I cannot tell the two of you how much I would have rather had the episode be Sue tries to frame Coach Beast for inadvertently supporting a homophobic football player instead of the whoops, we've got boners plot that is happening. Oh, I'd take anything over what's happening right now. <laughs> I, I, any, anything, any plot. Well, maybe not any plot nine, <laughs> but I think Glee could definitely do worse, which is a, hor- I, a horrifying statement, but uh, yeah. uh, I think it'd be somewhat difficult yeah mm-hmm. so do do we want to talk more about this or would we like to move on to the next scene let's get move on in linear time <laughs> okay okay we get to cut to a sewing bee <laughs> because it's it's the girls in their breakout session for the mashup or whatever and they're they're literally doing like a sewing bee they're they're making their costumes by hand i guess because it's, you know, like, oh, hey, these people are sewing and these people are cutting fabric and these people are gluing on sequins. <laughs> Basically, the conversation here is, we're not sure what to do for our mashup. And then Santana is like, oh, Rachel's being oddly quiet today. And Rachel is like, this is because the assignment is about opposites. And I know that I talk a lot. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Rachel. Please continue to do as you're doing. Yes. And they're like sitting and talking and then she looks up and she goes, spies! <laughs> because uh, Artie and Puck walk into the room. They're here to do reverse psychology on Brittany and Santana. Yeah. Uh, Artie says that he doesn't want a long-term relationship with either of them and he's definitely not still in love with Brittany. Um, and the two girls like, wow, that's so hot. Everyone gives them a side eye at that. <laughs> Everyone is side eyeing them. It's so good. Uh-huh. Puck's like, we might be at Breadsticks later tonight. If we don't find any hotter girls to meet us there. Yeah. Hey, hey, look, somehow it worked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, we we get a quick scene where Beast is like, Will, what the hell is going on? And Will uh, says, this is the hell that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. In, I hate to say it, but in Will Schuster's defense, the... I think that he explained it about as gently and tactfully to Coach Beast as he could have, except for the fact that he was mentioning like exactly like what the high school mm-hmm. students were thinking about Coach Beast. Mm-hmm. I don't think he had to be that specific. Mm-hmm. It is wild that that means that the students told Will specifically what they were thinking. Yeah, that's not great. Uh, but yeah, and Beast is like, I'm leaving, goodbye. <laughs> Yes. This sucks. Uh, Will says something to him about like, oh, I like don't take it personally. Like it's not it wasn't intended as an or as like a direct attack on you and Coach B says, No, I take it very, very personally and leaves. Yeah. yeah. Uh, duh. 
I, I, oh man, don't take it personally. What? Will <sighs> Schuster, what? They only have one brain cell for all of these characters. <laughs> they pass it and around. And in this scene, Coach Beast had it. Yes. Yep. So after that, we get to go to Breadsticks with the double date. Uh, mm-hmm. Puck tells a story about how he fought a guy for his waffle. Lego my ego. Wow. That is so badass, Puck. <laughs> <laughs> Brittany's been squeezing Artie's leg for the past hour and a half, and he hasn't even noticed. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, Brittany. Oh, oh Brittany. Hun. Oh, Brittany. And Artie's like, oh, yeah, it's because I was distracted by the waitress. She's totally into me. <laughs> the waitress who is the same... Who is the same delightfully curmudgeonly actress who we've seen at wait at uh, Breadsticks before? She was the one I think who told Sue that she got stood up by Will yep. last season, which was delightful. <laughs> um, and then after they uh, finish their food, Puck's like, "All right, now we're gonna dine and dash." Vardy's like, "I can't morally," and so he dumps all of their busking money on the table and mm-hmm. tells her to keep the tip. In this scene, I respect Artie. <laughs> Yeah. It doesn't happen often, but... <laughs> yup. In this one, this one already did a good thing. Thought with, thought with his heart instead of his fully functioning penis. <laughs> yes. But Puck's like, that's so uncool. That's so uncool that I'm gonna go have a threesome with Santana and Brittany and you're not invited, Artie. <laughs> or whatever. Was that what he was implying? I, I mean, I so. it's Puck. It's probably what he's always implying. I know, I'm sure that threesome went really well for two of the girls. <laughs> hey remember when they sang on the show oh yeah they do don't they <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's i think we're we're like over an hour into the recording and we're probably 40 minutes into the show proper and mm-hmm. they finally get to the first mashup and it's the girls they're singing mm-hmm. uh start me up mashed up with living on a prayer and mm-hmm. it rips wait what the song rips ah okay. like it shreds mm-hmm. it chugs you you cut out for me for a second yeah. there. <laughs> okay, I just I wasn't sure if you heard my slang. All I heard was it. <laughs> <laughs> it it's real good, especially uh, mm-hmm. when Mercedes takes the lead. I was like, Ooh. I mean, yes, Mercedes yes. taking lead is always good. It's like give this whole song to Mercedes. Mm-hmm. I think the song was fine, but I think honestly the performance kind of suffered mm-hmm. from. The fact that, like, it's not a very, like, cohesively shot musical number, because <laughs> it's it's a lot of very, like, it's a lot of very quick cuts between, like, oh, hey, let's focus on this singer, and let's focus on this singer, and oh, hey, here's the band, and uh, who is also in matching black leather outfits with the girls. <laughs> um, and oh, hey, let's cut for, like, what feels like 30 seconds to Kurt looking at his phone where he gets a text from Blaine, and I'm going to talk about it in a sec. Um, <laughs> but but then, oh no, let's cut back to the girls where they're doing hairography and whipping their hair back and forth. And oh hey, let's hold the microphone up for Rachel to sing into and then apparently accidentally hit her on the face on at least one occasion. Oh no. <laughs> and it's just, I, I think it's fine. I think it's better on the album in the full version than it was on the show. Fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of hard to tell in this performance. Unless it's like focusing on the person, it's kind of hard to tell who's where. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So during this song, 
uh, Becky comes into the room and she tells mm-hmm. Will to go to the auditorium. And then when Will gets there, Sue sets off a pair of confetti cannons. Mm-hmm. Because- oh, wait. Oh, man. Re- real quick. We didn't talk about the text that Kurt got during oh, yes. the, text that the Kurt musical got. number. The courage. Courage. Yes. <laughs> Dur- so during during the musical number, Kurt took out a cell phone and he just had a text from Blaine that said, Courage. And for those of you who are not on the internet during the heyday of Glee, <laughs> oh boy. This this was um this was um this was like a monumental meme in the Glee fandom. <laughs> <laughs> just like plastering the word courage, courage everywhere anytime there was even like the like the slightest hint of something being homophobic on a glee post like someone would just plaster the word courage <laughs> across it i also i definitely remember seeing a gif set of that whole like shot of kurt looking at the phone except instead of the text courage it had been replaced with a picture of courage <laughs> <laughs> As in the cowardly dog, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> Good. Blaine's like, I got this. I know what to do. Mm-hmm. I've word. played Harry Potter before. <laughs> I know what to say. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, Becky Becky says, Will, come here. Read this postcard. It has terrible news. Sue's got confetti cannons because Beast has quit. And now Sue has the budget back. Now clean up my mess. Mm-hmm. And tell your kids thanks to being mean for co- to Coach Beast for me. I did think that was kind of a a good line from Sue to kind of turn all around, where she's like, "Yeah, yeah, thanks for your kids being just like the people they hate. Like, like they are they they realize that they are just as awful as everyone else." It's like, damn, damn. <laughs> so anyway, anyway okay, here here we go, here we go, y'all. Yeah. Can I take this one? Please, one, one of you, please take this. This is not I, something that I am specifically qualified to. T- that is, this is something that I am specifically unqualified to talk about. <laughs> I've got feels. Okay, so Kurt is walking down the hallway, just gazing into this text as if it's basically foreplay. Um, <laughs> and then Karofsky comes by and he grabs the phone and he's like storms away. And Kurt is like, you know what? I'm going to kill this man. <laughs> and so he storms after Karofsky and chases him into the guy's locker room. Karofsky's like, this is the guy's locker room. And Kurt's like, give me my phone or I'm going to fucking cut you. Um, he mm-hmm. <laughs> Kurt says, you're going to hit me? Do it. It's not going to change who I am. You can't punch the gay out of me any more than I can punch the ignoramus out of you. You're nothing but scared little boy who cannot handle how extraordinarily ordinary you are. And this whole time, Karofsky is like getting angrier and angrier and like, but his face is so filled with pain. And then Karofsky rushes in and he kisses Kurt. And then they break away and Kurt is like, what the fuck just happened? Karofsky's like, let me try that again. And Kurt's like, no, and shoves him away and bolts. No, he doesn't bolt. Kurt shoves Karofsky away. Karofsky punches a locker and Karofsky bolts. And Kurt is like, everything I know has changed. Also, that was fucking nasty. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if this is sexual assault or not, but it's definitely assault. Yeah. I would say, yeah. Um. I I, I want to clarify, yeah, this is definitely sexual assault. I need to state that immediately before I say I was a Kurtovsky shipper the entire time. Oh, Tanner. (laughs) Listen. listen. you You are my friend. And so I will let you try to explain yourself. It's, 
I mean, we know a little better now, but even, I, honestly, though, even now, the the tormented, closeted, homophobic jock, it is very much a played-out stereotype, and people love trotting it out as, like, a gotcha for other homophobes, mm -hmm. like, real-life homophobes saying, you know what, I bet they're secretly gay. No, they're just mm -hmm. secretly more homophobic than they led on with their blatant public homophobia. Mm -hmm. But... The internalized homophobia, that shit is real. Mm -hmm. People do mm -hmm. bully the people because they seize themselves in them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a magnification of that. And I do think Karofsky is one of the better, as we will see as the show progresses. Mm -hmm. And part of it just being me feeding my own desires into him for better writing. <laughs> but I do think Karofsky is a better yeah. representation of this kind of trope and this kind of character. And that coupled with just like me getting extremely exhausted by Blaine very early on mm -hmm. made me very much want to see Kurt and Karofsky get together instead of Kurt and Blaine. I have sympathy for Karofsky. Uh, mm -hmm. he, he, I would agree that he gets a pretty well-written storyline over the course of the show. Um, uh, this scene uh, happened and I went, man, this happens not at the end of the episode like uh, i don't know it feels like it's something that they would be like boom done see you next week but no it just happens and they let you sit with it for a bit um mm -hmm. yeah it happens uh, yeah i i have sympathy for karofsky i think he's a pretty well-written character um mm -hmm. but it's still upsetting yeah. 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 Yeah, it's it's definitely upsetting and that does have to be addressed, but I mm -hmm. will say mm -hmm. like you compare him to Puck, who is also canonically committed sexual assault. Yeah. And I am the local Puck respecter or not a, a, the attempted local Puck respecter, <laughs> but I I have a harder time respecting Puck than I do respecting Karofsky, which mm -hmm. just kind of gives you a greater picture of what happens with this character. And I, yes. we're going to have to, I'm going to have to go through Karofsky's whole storyline piece by piece as we go through the season. Yeah. 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 But it's easier to feel sympathy for him. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm just being more, I, I, I am giving less quarter to Karofsky partially because I do not have the benefit of hindsight. Cause I stopped watching Glee sometime in like the end of the second, sometime in the middle of the third season. Mm -hmm. So I don't, have the benefit of knowing mm -hmm. where this plot is going to go. Because mm -hmm. right now, all I see is someone who has committed assault in in a harmful manner and believe that he should have consequences for his actions. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, he does deserve... I think that's the thing, is that so often this is played off as like, well, you made my life a living hell, but it turns out you were gay, so all is forgiven immediately. Like, no, they... They do stress that Karofsky is still an asshole and a a bad person, even if mm -hmm. his bad things are coming from pain, and he needs to put the work in to be seen as a good person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I can I can appreciate the fanfic writers for doing that. Every time I read a fanfic that was about uh, Karofsky and Kurt getting together, it was never. It was never romanticizing the bullying. It was always like, I did horrible things. I need to atone to that before I can even think of you maybe seeing me as a potential romance partner. Mm -hmm. I don't have anything else to contribute to this discussion. <laughs> yeah, I don't have much more else to say about this scene. 
All right, then let's move on to the next scene where mm-hmm. Will has pulled out the bell from Game of Thrones and is going shame at the group <laughs> <club>. <laughs> Basically, he just says, you got Beast to quit because you're all terrible. So you have to find a way to fix it because otherwise the football team is going to lose every match. Mm-hmm. And I like and then some. T- <laughs> yeah, go for it. Sorry, I think I, I think it's Sand. I, I couldn't remember which one of it, which one of the girls it was, but I, Santana is like, "What did we do?" Yeah, and Finn's like, uh, "Well, I think it's Finn that says it. Yeah, one of the guys says it. Well, it's I think it's Quinn who asks Quinn? what the hell okay. happened, okay. and then once she finds out, she like apologizes to Sam, which, honey, you have nothing to apologize for." No. Yeah, yeah. No. So it's the, the I think the way it happens is like Finn being the leader describes the fact that they had that the the communally the boys in Glee uh and Tina as Mike adds and everyone gives her the side eye. <laughs> um, but not Finn. He just ran over a mailman. Yeah. Yeah. Um every he 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 mentions that there are some people in the Glee club who use thinking of Coach Beast as a way to cool down and he is very quick to add like but that is not something that i personally do when quinn is like excuse me and, <laughs> and rachel is like what and then he's like no not me not me personally i just think and, about hitting a civil servant it's okay yeah <laughs> uh that's when that's when quinn apologizes to sam for like oh my god i am so sorry i should have communicated with you better that's when santana says this is what happened when people don't put out we have a losing football team I give it a pass because it's Santana. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? Anyways, yes. uh, Figgins pages Will to the office because, hey, it's time for more things to go wrong in Will's life. You'll love to see it. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's basically that uh, Puck's probation officer is like, you you cannot you cannot count wingmanning for your friend who is in a wheelchair as community service. And you need to actually find a way to benefit the entire community, or you are going to be going back to juvie. And Puck is like, I'm not going back to juvie! And he, like, throws some things around before leaving. Yeah. (laughs) He literally flees. Yeah. (laughs) She does point out that when Puck wrote hanging with a C-word on his probation application... They assumed that he was going to do outreach with a local gang. Yeah, because he that shortened a sensible chuckle from me. He, he shortened it. He didn't say the like on the paper that they they read. He shortened the word, so they yeah. Thought, like y'all 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 know y'all yeah. know gangs. Yeah, y'all know colors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. I did think that uh, Puck's blow up was somewhat realistic, and the you guys don't none of you yeah. not, none of you care about me that kind of thing. I, I was like, yeah. okay, this seems yeah. somewhat real. It was, a, it was a very believable reaction from a high school-aged character who has previously shown to have anger issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also destructive tendencies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before we actually, we might as well just wrap up the puck plot now, because then it's done. Yeah. Uh, but basically, after Artie finds out what happened, he goes to Puck, and Puck's like, Juvie was actually really scary. Uh, I, I didn't get any waffles. <laughs> they kept taking my waffles. <laughs> they kept taking my waffles. <laughs> yeah. And then I think Artie is like, well, hey, what if you cleaned up trash and then I was there with you tutoring you in geometry? Yay. And then Fox like, all right, sure, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it was, I found it hard to have sympathy for Puck in this episode because it's not like, oh, I have a rough home life. It's, I mean, okay, yes, he does have anger issues. He has self-destructive t- uh, tendencies. But 
really it just comes down to I'm going to run away from the state because mm -hmm. I'm too cool to pick up trash. Yeah. And like we never get into any issues that caused him to like try and get to the rob the ATM in the first place and why he was like how he dealt with stuff in juvie and all that stuff. We never actually dig into it. It's just like assume puck bad boy now bad boy redemption time. Yeah. Anyways, Baleen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kurt has uh, summoned Blaine to the outside stairwell of McKinley High School for backup. And they, of course, because of course they do, they run into Karofsky on the stairwell. And Blaine, as someone who Emily Vanderwerf, again quoting her, uh, called Blaine a gay genie. <laughs> <laughs> um, Blaine tries to uh, preach peace and acceptance of yourself to Karofsky, um, who shoves him into the chain link fence. Yeah. And then Kurt has to get between them to shove Karofsky off to leave. <laughs> Blaine does something pretty dumb where Karofsky tries to shove him off and, and Blaine's like, okay, I'm gonna be a tough guy. I know what you did. He's like, like, so first of all, <laughs> you don't know what that's gonna do to Kurt as soon as you leave. Second yeah, of all, don't act like a tough guy because you're about to get your ass whooped. <laughs> like, because uh, immediately he tries to be all tough and he's like, I know what you did. And then Karofsky has him up against a wall in a second. And Kurt has to come and be like, hey, stop it. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just, Blaine, make smarter decisions, please. I like you. Uh, don't make me regret yeah. liking you. We like you despite the warning signs. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, don't... Don't out people. Don't have conversations oh, yeah. like this in public. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. So mm -hmm. y'all almost were smart. There was more than one of you, and it was in public, so that anything Krofsky did would have witnesses. Mm -hmm. But you can't talk about that thing because then that crosses a different boundary line. You don't use. Mm -hmm. He's already scared of his sexuality. Don't turn around and use it as a weapon. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, when like Krofsky leaves and. Kurt's upset because he says that that was the first kiss that he ever had that counted. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Blaine is very flippant about it. He, ha yeah. he has like some emotions on his face, but he's like, I'm not going to deal with this right now. Yeah. I don't know. It felt a little dismissive to me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, mm. oh, wait, were, were, were you referring to the part where like, where like after Karofsky stormed off after Kurt defended Blaine, his, his Murphy assigned boyfriend? No. <laughs> um, were you talking about the part where Blaine was like, well, he's not coming out anytime soon? No, not that part. I mean the part where after uh, Kurt says uh, that, that that was the first kiss he had and Blaine's like, oh, come on, let's go get coffee. I don't know. It, it, it felt like he didn't handle it with maybe the seriousness that or gravity that he should have. I don't know. It felt a little dismissive to me. Really, it's every, every person in this episode who interacts with Kurt, their solution for homophobic bullying is just... Have you ever try not being sad? <sighs> Anyways. We're almost done with this <laughs> bad, bad... We're almost done. Only one more bad scene, and then we can get to a good scene, and then the episode's done. Mm-hmm. So, Beast is packing up his stuff in the locker room, and Will is trying to comfort him, and he's, he's like, hey, a school fucked us up. I think Will's line is literally, nothing screws a person up more than high school, except maybe their parents, and we're stupid enough to come back to high school every day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Beast is like, hey, I'm not gay, 
I'm a girl, I'm quoting now, I'm a girl who just wants to be reminded of that sometimes. And Will's like, what about dating apps? And Beast's like, I attract a specific type. Like, I've never even been kissed. I just want people to look at me and see a person worth loving. And so Will's like, I understand that. I see you as beautiful and your heart is just too pretty, too big for most men to understand. And then he kisses Beast. And that's just weird. Yeah, yeah, I... Yeah. Definitely doesn't seem like any sort of logical way to continue the interaction that they're having. I don't know where Will Schuster thought that was a good idea. I I do hesitate to call this one assault because Beast was pretty okay with it. Yeah. Like not even putting up a front, like Beast was clearly fine with friend kissing. I'd also like to note that this continues uh, Will Schuster's trend of kissing people without asking them first. Yep, yep, yep. Anyways, now that I've kissed you, come to the Glee Club later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I just want to, like, I, I, I would like to just add in a little part here about how, like, listeners, if you, like me, are someone who has not been kissed, like, please know that this is, this is not in any way, shape, or form make you defective, simply because it is the mandate that society gives that, like, oh, you have to be in a relationship, and, mm-hmm. like, you are not going- you are not going to be fired if you have not kissed someone even by age 40, as uh, Coach Beast mentions in this scene. Like, it, it's not- it, it's not a requirement on the checklist of life. You're- like, if- if you- if you would like to be kissed, then yes, I encourage you to go out and be kissed, but, like, if you have not been, even if you would like to be, it is not it is not the end of the world. I promise. <laughs> and my addendum to that is if you if you just you really need to be kissed and you put yourself in a situation where you can consent to be kissed and the other person consents to kissing you and you have a kiss and it just feels weird, that's fine, because nine times out of ten kissing feels weird even if you are really into that person. <laughs> Sean, yeah. what are your hot takes on kissing? Uh, I don't have any hot takes. <laughs> I I didn't like uh, my my expectations of this show is that I was surprised that Beast didn't look straight at the camera when they said, uh, "I've never been kissed." <laughs> Just boom, name of the episode, roll credits. <laughs> I... Yep. Yeah. Anyway, so so then the final number is they've brought Beast in to the club to apologize through song. Mm-hmm. They say that even though you're rough and tumble on the outside, you're a total sweetheart on the inside. And Finn's like, yeah, you're nougaty. <laughs> and do you see something uh, not great where one of them says, I think it's Puck, who says, when you smile, you're pretty. It's like, oh, don't, don't do that. Oh, don't. God. This is the opposite of what we're trying to accomplish. I know you're a teenage boy and you're dumb, but please, I'm begging you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fortunately... <laughs> They then start singing. Mm-hmm. And y'all, this song slaps so hard. It's real good. It's yes. real good. In in my opinion, it is the better of the two mashups. Partially because Correct. it is the like like the boys get they get to have fun with like the theatricality of their song and the choreography is fun, like they're all having fun doing it and stuff. Um and also like like Finn gets lead because of course he does, um, but also Artie, Sam, and Puck get to sing, which is nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, we haven't actually they... said what song it is. Oh yeah, yeah, it's uh, it is "Stop in the Name of Love" mashed up with "Free Your Mind," and it's it's good. It's fun. It's really good. 
it has such gravitas to it. It builds, like the whole thing builds throughout the whole thing. Artie has some extreme mm-hmm. vocal runs in the back. Yeah. It's very good. Did did y'all see the part where at the end they were like, okay, everyone, approach your approach your uh, romantic partner and uh, Kurt go hang out with Mercedes. <laughs> yeah. And and Kurt Kurt did a little like he did like a kind of like a like a silly little lap dance on Mercedes, yeah. which she was like, which she was like busting a gut over, which was nice. I could. Um, yeah, that was real good. Kurt, the entire song, his dancing felt very like very him. Yes. And, and also there was a part at the end where they were, like, singing to romantic partners, and Finn is like, oh, before you can't read me, you gotta know how to see me. And, like, Rachel is like, ah! And, like, hit her face <laughs> in her hands. <laughs> this this is a much more fun number than uh, Start Me Up, Living on a Prayer. Mm-hmm. And they all hug. They all hug. Beast is like, you're forgiven, and I will not quit. It's Glee. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Wait, y'all know what I just realized? Hmm. Huh. This is the second time that Will Schuster has persuaded someone to not quit their job by kissing them. Stop that. And would like for Will Schuster to stop. Yes. That is it. (laughs) Will, this is becoming the start of a very bad habit. Yeah, somebody call HR, please. They don't have HR. They don't have HR. He made- he pulled that on HR! Uh. Yeah. (laughs) Real fun trivia about this uh, episode. Mm-hmm. There was apparently a deleted scene where they had Emma witnessing Will kissing Coach Beast. Oh boy! Uh, I don't know what I don't know why or what they would have done with it, but apparently that was filmed and then got cut. Yeah. Here's my fun trivia. Yeah? When Kurt checks his iPhone during the Start Me Up Living on a Prayer mashup, he has 124 unread emails. <laughs> okay, you know what? He's doing a lot better than I am. Yeah, same. Anyways, before we can completely put this episode to bed, we have to ask our questions. So, Sean. Okay. What was your gold star song? Uh, it's gotta be, I, I don't think it's the best song in, in the episode, but it's gotta be Teenage Dream just because it, it, it meant so much to like what happened, <laughs> how my life is, has, has changed since discovering Glee. So, uh, it's gotta be Teenage Dream. Was it, was it like that one meme where it's the mom saying, no, don't look. And then you look at Teenage <laughs> Dream and you turn around like, it's too late, mother, I'm gay now. <laughs> Uh, what? Not quite, but 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 close. <laughs> Christina, how about yourself? Teenage dream, no contest. <laughs> Although I do have to give credit that uh, that again, uh, stop in the name of love, free your mind was the better of the two mashups. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, yes, I agree. Um, I also give credit, and I pick that one as my gold star. I still have that one on my playlist. I took Teenage Dream off a while ago. You're allowed to. <laughs> All right, and then now here's the hard one, Sean. Oh. What was your gold star moment? Uh, uh, did anything happen in this episode that was good? Um, uh, I I'd say the gold star moment just because of how iconic it is and how meme worthy it kind of became. Uh, the the slow mo hallway run. <laughs> mm-hmm. Christina. Uh, mine is Chris Colfer's acting. That's good. That's good. Because like. He he did a very good job this whole scene. This the, not this whole scene. This whole episode in multiple scenes. Chris Colfer was good at acting mm-hmm. both in 
I, I would like to especially give it in the scene where he's talking about the anti-bullying Narnia and Dalton, <laughs> and and also in in the in like the standing up to Karofsky, like Chris Colfer's acting was just chef's kiss. Mm-hmm. I I'm glad you brought that up. Because I couldn't remember anything good in this episode that wasn't taint- tainted by something that happened later in the episode. Um, and I was almost about to just say that Sam is hot. <laughs> but no, I'm going to go with Chris Colfer's acting. Thank you. You are welcome, Tanner. And now that brings us to the slushy moment. Well, yes. which, which part of this episode do you just want to dunk in some slushy shot? I, uh, th- can I just, uh, the entire A-plot. Can I say that? Can I just say the entire A plot? Everything that has to do with what's happening with Coach Beast? Just all of that. Yep. You know, I think I think we've been broad enough that that's allowed. Yes. <laughs> Actually, do we, do we want a second and third that, Christina? Absolutely. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> just, we, we cast a threefold slushy upon you. <laughs> yes. I Is this the first time that we've all agreed on a slushie in a very long time, Tanner? In a pretty long time. Because we all felt for... We, we were trying to cover our bases with calling things out. Mm-hmm. But we were just like, no. No, <laughs> oh, it's, wait. The, it's the whole thing. I think this is the first time that we've all agreed on a slushie with a guest on the show. Like, there it is. There mm. have been times when you and I have agreed on slushying, say, Rachel. Or slushying uh, Asian jokes. But mm-hmm. this is the first time that we've had a guest and we've all agreed that something was was unanimously terrible. <laughs> was this the first time in a while that the guest didn't slushy Rachel specifically? You know, it's it's because she didn't do that much. Exactly. The one or two times she spoke, I rolled mm-hmm. my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, please stop. Yeah. So, something that I think that we have found on Loser Like Me, Sean, is that the good episodes of Glee are the ones where... Rachel is not self-centered, and Will does not do anything. Exactly. Man. Which, because oh. in in duets, Rachel was pretty focused on the team, and also she literally said, I'm a bad person. Yes. <laughs> duets sounded like such a better episode. It was a bomb to the soul. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> As for this mm-hmm. episode, I'm just going to take, I'm going to cut out the parts with Karofsky, and I'm going to put them on my uh, Pepe Sylvia board for later. The rest of it, I'm just going to crumple up and toss in a ball, and we're done with it. We're done, okay? We're done. <laughs> Christina, play us out. Yes. Oh, wait, no, before we before we play out the episode, uh, Sean, right. where would you like to be found on the internet? Uh, do you have anything that you would like to shout out and or promote? Uh, I do a lot of stuff online. If you just go on my Twitter account, which is at Sean underscore AFK, I post about everything I do. Nice. Okay, I think then it's time for me to go ahead and do the outro. Loser Like Me is a part of the Corner Podcast Network. We can be heard on your podcasting platform of choice, and if we're not there, let us know and we'll work on getting there. We can be found at Loser Like Me Pod on Twitter and through loserlikemepod at gmail.com. Uh, so tune in next time on uh, Glee, where we get to have everyone's favorite uh, pseudoscience peddling celebrity on the show. Hmm. Pussy crystals. Anyways. Uh, now it's time trust. for us to go. <laughs> yeah, now, yes. now is the time where we, we grimly reflect on what we have done, what we have wrought with this goal, <laughs> the crossroads demons that we have uh, made deals with. Yeah. And, and then we do the one, two, three, and that's what you missed on Glee. 
So. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or is it three, two, one? No, it's one, two. Three, Christina. two, one. The episode was too gay. Forgot how to count. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I, it's okay, Tanner. I can count us out. So. Okay. Three, two, one. And that's and what you that's missed, what on, you Glee. missed you on, on Glee. Glee. Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we riff the show, Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out why we love the show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening. You're listening to loser like me. Loser like me. Loser like me.